Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a special series of Twins Talk Theater in the Long Beach Playhouse. I'm Sean Gray, the producing artistic director of the Long Beach Playhouse. Cynthia, Stacy, and I are excited to be able to team up to shine a spotlight on some of the talented people that often go unnoticed to an audience. In Behind the Curtain, the twins interview backstage artists, stage managers, designers, and other theater technicians that have helped to create the magic of the shows at the Long Beach Playhouse. They are a wonderful, dynamic, and diverse group of people, and we are proud and excited to highlight their stories and their contributions to one of the oldest continually operating community theaters in California. So enjoy listening, and thank you, Cindy and Stacy, for all the work you do to bring your love of theater to a larger community. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. It's going to be a little different this time because I don't have Cindy with me. She uh, got an emergency issue on the current show she's working on, but yay, she's got a show she's working on during COVID. <laughs> this week, we are talking to Stephen O'Lear, who is the musical director and volunteer coordinator at the Long Beach Playhouse. When he's not there, he's the usher manager at the Amundsen Theater in L.A., and on top of that, he's an attorney with the U.S. Small Business Administration who has been working on a new program during COVID called Save Our Stages. So Stephen had a ton of different stuff on top of each other because I feel like you're at the Playhouse constantly, but <laughs> apparently <laughs> yeah. you're everywhere constantly. <laughs> so how did you get into theater in general did you know you wanted to do like volunteer and music stuff or did you just kind of fall into that so um i um when i was uh in second grade or third grade um i started playing the accordion um and that kind of started my musical career i guess and um I, I competed with the accordion for, for years, for like 18 years. There, there was a, believe it or not, the accordion was a huge thing in New Jersey where I grew up. Um, <laughs> and we had, um, we had state competitions and we had accordion orchestras. And so my early childhood was that, but you know, there was always the idea of living in New Jersey and living so close to Broadway. And um, which of course, you know, was a draw. And so my parents, the first show I ever saw that my parents took me to was a chorus line. Nice. And when I saw Chorus Line, I was like completely hooked with the whole idea of Broadway. And so when I went to high school, um, being an accordionist, um, um, I, uh, you know, tried to find a place in high school for use of the accordion. And believe it or not, one of the first shows I did was Fiddler on the Roof. And they did it with a full orchestra. And there was an accordion part, a huge accordion part in Fiddler on the Roof. Um, so that was my first, I guess, show at that point. And then all through high school, I switched over to piano and basically played the piano. But my senior year in high school, we did um, Godspell. And um, I wanted to be in the cast. That was like one of the things I said, I have to, I want to do this show. I really want to be in the cast. And so the director said, go ahead, try out. So I taped myself playing something and I sang the song and, and auditioned. And he said, you did a great job. And then he handed me the score and he said, but I think your better use is as sitting behind the piano than sitting in front of the the, uh, the audience. So, so, so that was my kind of foray into being a musical theater actor, I guess. And um, quite happily went back behind the piano and I was happy. Why 
why the accordion? That's not a common thing people have laying around the house. Right. So, um, interestingly enough, they came to our school. This these these folks from an accordion, I guess, school came to our school when I was very young, and they um, they presented accordion lessons, and they said, you know, you could sign up for these accordion lessons. And so I went home to my parents and said, this is what I would like. And of course, you know, at that point, you know, they were like, sure, sure, anything that, you, you know, you find you want to. So I brought an accordion home and I just thought it was the greatest thing. And I became, you know, hooked and obsessed with it to their de <laughs> to their detriment. <laughs> yeah. the end, they're like, why did we ever, because, you know, accordion is not an easy instrument to lug around. So they were... Uh, <laughs> They said that, that, you know, as it got older, um, you know, they had to lug it more than anything else. But yeah, so I did it with I did it with that and I got really into it. And, it, and there was a big growing growing up in New Jersey. It was a huge accordion. Um, just so many people. You would go to a state accordion competition and there'd be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people playing the accordion. <laughs> so <laughs> believe it or not. So, I think you're the uh, only person I know who plays the accordion. I know. Well, now, now exactly. But um, it's kind of funny. So that's kind of where it started. It really started with the accordion. And, and then, then the shows I did in high school and, and, uh, um, and college seemed to be drawn to accordion because I did cabaret and I did filler on the roof. And um, it just so happens that everything that, I was looking to do, they could use an accordion and it kind of grew from there. That's so funny. They're probably like, Ooh, we have an accordion player. Who's really good. Choose a show that fits. What <laughs> yeah, he that's does. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did, did your parents have any musical, did they do any no, music or not at all? Oh, that's so weird that you're so big and I, I guess not. Was... My, our parents didn't do theater or anything like that. And both Sydney and I ended up in theater. So yeah, it's no, they had none, no, no background. Just my parents, you know, took, I mean, they weren't theater people. They didn't go all the time, but they took me there and it just, I became kind of hooked from it. And then as I grew up being, you know, going to college outside of New York City, it, you know, it was like being in a candy store, you know, you could go to anything. So it was great. It was really yeah. great during, during college anyway. So it's <laughs> <laughs> one thing if you live in like New York City or even L.A., we got a number of places out here yeah, that we can exactly. easily go see local or touring or, you know, the music center has a ton of stuff. And yeah, exactly. All that. Right. Other people are like, yeah, we had to drive two hours to get to a theater. And I'm like, how weird. <laughs> I know. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you don't even think about it. Right. So when you went to college, did you go for music and accordion or did you? So that's an interesting story because um, uh, at the time I was going to college, I was competing heavily with the accordion. And so I had I had already won uh, uh, two New Jersey State Championships. And um, there was not a lot of accordion schools out there that that did. But there was one college, the University of Missouri in Kansas City, that offered an accordion major program. Um, <laughs> and it was the only school in the country that offered you a music program where you could major on the accordion um, and of course it, it was a big deal and a lot of people in the accordion world and there were quite a few um, in the accordion world um, were interested in going to that program um, my parents though drew the line there um, they said we will not pay for you to be an accordion major and send you away to the university of uh, university of missouri in kansas city so i kind of compromised with my parents and i i 
told them that I wanted to major in music. Um, and they said, we'd be happy to help you with that if you decided in the long run to go to something else. So I just out of the blue said, okay, what if I like went to law school afterwards? And they said, okay, good deal. If you're willing to at least explore something else, go ahead. So I applied as a music major at Rutgers. And um, unfortunately, I couldn't use the accordion. So I had to switch over to the piano. So I had to kind of push myself to learn the piano so that I could major on piano for um, for music. So I did that. So I was a music major in college. It's funny because our we did theater in high school. And then when we went to college, our parents said, there's no career in theater. Go find right. a different yeah. major. And right. so I said, fine, I'll do business. Like, how general can you be? And Cindy said, great, I'll do math. And then we just kept doing theater so much. And finally, they're like, fine, you can double major in theater See? and something else. <laughs> right. That's kind of what it was like. It was like they knew they were going to not really win the battle. But um, yeah, so and it was great because I learned, you know, I and I kind of picked up the clarinet as a result because one of the requirements was to be in a band and um, they didn't accept the accordion, really. And the piano was not really a band instrument. So I went and uh, studied clarinet for four years. So. I did that as well, which was kind of fun. You know, it kind of gave me a different place to go in terms of that. Why clarinet? I mean, you already are weird enough on an accordion and piano I standard. Know. And well, then you're like, I, let's do a wind instrument I, that's I not the same one. as any. <laughs> I, I really wanted to do, um, I really wanted to do the trombone, but my but my arms were not long enough to get <laughs> So I stuck with the clarinet, which I, I liked, I enjoyed. Um, my claim to fame is on graduation, I played the bass clarinet and on a graduation day, um, you know, the band played and the solo part of Pump and Circumstance was on the bass clarinet. You know, the part that went dun, 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 dun. Yep, that you had to play 500 times yeah. for graduation. Yeah, exactly right. So that was my uh, that was my claim to fame on the on the clarinet. <laughs> so <laughs> random. <laughs> That's what I love. I know, Everybody's so stories are all over the place. <laughs> So then why why a lawyer after that? There's no... No correlation at all. At so all? I, at all. So, um, of course, you know, um, I, I used to... I taught during college. Um, the music studio where I took accordion lessons hired me as a teacher. So um, starting in my senior year in high school, through all through college, I taught music. Um, and, of course, you know, that's not a, a, a very lucrative career. Um, also did some community theater stuff. Um, but that was kind of a deal I made with my parents that I would, I would, you know, at least give that a shot. So in junior year, I took the, um, the, um, LSATs for law school. And then I decided to apply. My, my idea was that I was going to be an entertainment attorney because that was going to combine my music and this idea of law school together. Um, so I did that and I applied and I couldn't get in anywhere on the East coast. And so I got into a school in the West coast. Um, that was pretty much geared towards entertainment law. And so I figured I would give it a shot. And that's how I got to L.A., actually. What school did you go to? I went to Southwestern, huh. which is in mid, kind of mid, mid Wilshire area there. It's yeah. uh, there. I guess the claim to fame of Southwest Southwestern was the attorneys that the, the, the defend the, the folks that um, prosecuted O.J. Simpson, Marsha Clark and that group. Those were Southwestern um uh, uh alumni. Yeah, alumni. <laughs> so I don't know if that's the claim the fame to the school, but um <laughs> But I guess entertainment law would make sense out in either, you know, LA or New York again, because yeah, that's where exactly. most people yeah. are. 
Right, exactly. So I thought I'd combine the two, but that didn't work out either. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but you you ended up pretty well, so you know some plans yeah. may be better. Yeah, no, it all worked out. It ended up all working out in in the end. But it wasn't a path I decided. It wasn't a path that I would have told you was my path if you would have asked me the same question in college. I would never <laughs> have believed I was here. So it's a completely I, different path than what I would have imagined myself going on. Yeah. Cindy wanted to be a Broadway stage manager, and now she does experimental opera production manager. <laughs> so, yeah. and yeah, she loves yeah. it. It just right. wasn't what she thought in high school or college. Right. That you would be right. So then now you've got an education. You're a state award-winning accordion player. How did you get to... Uh, you work at both the Amundsen and then later at the Long Beach Playhouse. How right. did you get? So um, when I came to L.A., I went to I started law school and uh, um, I'm, you know, no disparagement against lawyers. But um, uh, the folks that I met in law school were um, you just were just not the people I was used to. Not theater people or musicians. <laughs> yes, they were not music, theater, or theater people, right? So I spent my whole four years in college in the music department, which was to me like you know Nirvana, right? That was we we were like different than everywhere else in the university, right? We had our own separate building and we had our own separate place, and everyone would leave the you know the cocoon of the music department and go to where they had to go, and then they all safely came back, and everybody felt like we were yes, um, and that was always <laughs> great for four years, and then off I went to. Uh, to law school and um, it was a completely different environment. And so for my first year in law school, I was miserable because basically I, I didn't do anything but study, right? Um, and then I decided, well, I have to do something different. And you know, for years I watched the Oscars on TV. I would watch the Academy Awards all the time, right? From New Jersey. Well, sure enough, there they were in LA, right? That's where they, that's where the Oscars were. So mm -hmm. that first October or that first March, I guess it was March. Um, I said, I'm going to cut my law school classes. I'm going to go down and I'm going to stand outside the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. And I am going to watch the arrivals of the Oscars. And it was a freezing cold March day, raining, miserable, and off I went and I did. I watched them and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Here I am in Los Angeles. Here I am watching the Oscars growing up as a child. And so I turned around to one of the ushers that were there and I said, how do you get a job here? And they said, oh, it's really easy. You know, here's the number, blah, blah, blah. Well, growing up, going to the Philharmonic all the time, because as a, as a music major in Rutgers, we would go to um, New York all the time and go to the Philharmonic, um, you know, get the student ticket prices. And so I came out to LA and I'm like, how am I going to continue to do this? So sure enough, I applied for a job and I went down there and I said, I want to work at the music center. And I always remember the guy that hired me because it was a county job at the time. So it was LA County. And the guy that hired me said, I would love to hire you, but you're like, well, way overqualified and you're never going to stay here. And I said, well, you know, oh, I, I hate that. I know tell me that it's all like, the time. I'm like, but aren't I the perfect person that you want? I mean, isn't aren't you want, you want someone that loves music and that loves theater and is going to be he goes, yes, you, you're everything that we want. But I'm afraid you're not going to stay here. And I'm like, well, give it a shot. Well, 38 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> and I actually went to his retirement party um, when he retired. And he told me the story about hiring me and saying he didn't want to hire me. But. He said, I guess I was wrong. I said, yep, I guess you were wrong. So that's, that's kind of how I did it. I, I wanted to get access to see things that I wouldn't be able to pay for because I had no money. And um, that's where kind of where it started. So I started as an usher. And then you worked your way all the way up to uh, 
Oh, what is it? Usher manager, manager at the Amundsen. Yeah, so they have, you know, it's a tier system there, right? So you start as an usher, then you work as a ticket taker, then you work as a senior usher, um, and then you work as head usher. And I was head usher um, at the Dorothy Chandler for about 12, 13, 14 years. Um, and then my the, the guy that was the chief usher at the time that was in charge of all the ushers left. Um, and then I took over and that was right at the time that the music center was building the Walt Disney concert hall, um, which would have doubled our staff. Cause at that time we were about 150 ushers and, um, they knew that once the concert hall came on board, we would double our staff. Um, and so they, they kind of revamped the department. They hired a, uh, someone in charge of guest services. And so, um, I kind of ran the department till they brought her on. And then I took over the position of, um, hiring, firing, um, scheduling, paying 450 ushers. 450 people. Man, the Playhouse yes. looks like nothing compared to that. <laughs> so we staff the, all four theaters, plus the park, the Grand Park, which is across the street, plus um, any of the outside events that occur anywhere on the Music Center Plaza. So we pretty much hire folks for that. We hire all ages. Um, you know, we hire young kids that are in high school and college and all the way up to retired folks. So it's a real cross-section of, of folks that do that. But that's great because I, I hate when everybody, not hate, but when I go somewhere and like everybody is a certain age, I'm like, right. you can't relate to a different age group if you're all the same age group. Exactly. Like, um, and it's really cool because we have so many varied people and they all, it's so funny because they interact, a lot of them interact so well, you know, a lot of retired folks interact really well with the young kids and the young kids, you know, look up to the retired folks and, um, you know, and we have people that are um, like, kind of like myself, you know, they, they have a career and they've also want to do this on the side. And so it's, it's a great, you know, it's a great opportunity for folks. Unfortunately, all of us are furloughed at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> is, you know, uh, which is like everyone else, I guess, in the uh, in the theater and arts community. Um, so that's been tough for a lot of folks. But um, yeah, so that's kind of where I, I worked myself up for there and uh, just was a great place to be. How do you balance? You basically have three somewhat full time jobs between right. that and a lawyer and you're at the playhouse constantly running their volunteer right. program and musical director and playing <laughs> in the pit. And how, how do you balance like so many different jobs? So um, I really don't think about it. It just, it just kind of happens. I mean, I have a, I have the ability to work from home in a lot of, of my jobs. So that makes it really easier. Um, and a lot of the stuff, um, you know, I just worked out, I just work out schedules, you know, I'm, I focus a little bit on this and then I move to that and I kind of multitask a few other things. And, um, you know, the, the SBA job pays the bills um, and all the other stuff is what I want to do. So, <laughs> um, so I find a way to do it, I guess. That's kind of what, you know, kind of what it is. The music center stuff I do mostly at night and on the weekends, the playhouse, same thing. So I, I kind of, you know, parse those out where, where I can. Um, if I'm doing a show, then, of course, I spend more time um, on the off hours doing uh, the music center work um, and the SBA just does is the day gig. And so uh, it kind of all somehow meshes together, but it's all come to a screeching halt at the moment. So, um, you know, it's kind of like I'm like a fish out of water. I'm like, what am I doing with all this time? Wait a minute. It's not right. This <sighs> is not right. <laughs> That's how we're all feeling. I know. It's like it's so 
I can't explain. Well, I don't have to explain it to you, but it's just very. <laughs> Everybody listening, it's like, yeah, what are we doing? That's why <laughs> yeah. when he's like, I'm doing a show. And I was like, do it. Do it. Yeah, you, you finally have, have a show. Like <laughs> I mean, anything that comes up, you want to jump at. I mean, I do anyway. So, yeah. it's a, Yeah, that's right. When Sean's right. like, we need to advertise tech. Can you do people from the Playhouse on your podcast? And I was like, I've already got like eight people on the podcast. Give me a list of who else you want. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was his idea because yeah. he's like, the actors were doing like, you know, send in monologues and the Playhouse was right. posting them and all. But right. tech, it's like the rest of us are out of a job, too. We all need stuff to do. So yeah. you know, that's and, why know, Sean people, came up with the idea. People forget about people forget about all those people, you know, I mean, yeah. like, obviously the actors and folks are, that are out in front, people see that. But I mean, the amount of people that are involved in the behind the scenes work in a lot of these, it's just it's heart It's heart wrenching. And those people are not really, I guess being kind of singled out as much because people forget about those people because it's such a seamless process in a mm -hmm. lot of these things right i mean you know I would say if, if, really if right? i'm doing my job correctly as the technical director nobody knows i even exist exactly right that's and that's what i'm that's the hard part so it's great that you're doing this so bravo to you guys for doing that because that, they're the <laughs> unspoken heroes i always say that every time i do a show i i i, I always say to me the most important person in that show is the stage manager. I, I Oh yes. Sydney would completely does, agree. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, we've had, and you know, we have some amazing people at the playoffs as stage managers, but I always, at the end of the thing, I always say without the stage manager, it, none of this could happen. No matter how talented everyone is and how put together those stage managers are, they have to take it all. They have to deal with all everything. Down, everything <laughs> amazing what they do so and schedule leading and anybody's yes. complaints and, and everybody with the producer <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so, so they're amazing go ahead uh you work uh, at the dorothy chandler which is up in la how did you get right. to the long beach playhouse there's millions of theaters around la yeah, so area this is another interesting story because um when i was working at the music center early on like my second or third or fourth year in LA, um, we had the Oscars at the music center, right? That the Oscars were always there. So I worked, I don't know, you know, 25 Oscar shows I've worked. And one of the, and, and there was always a week or two of tech at the Oscars. And it was a whole bunch of people that came through all the time. And, you know, there'd be different things. And I don't, I don't know how this happened, but I somehow got in a conversation with this woman one day. Um, and we were talking about, music and somehow and she found out that i was a pianist and she said you know i'm going to ask you this question you're probably going to say no and you probably can't do she said but i work i i'm at work at the at long beach playhouse and she said i need um we we're doing fiddler on the roof and she said we just lost had to get rid of our pianist for some reason he wasn't good or something was wrong or i can't remember what it was and, and she said we need someone to do fiddler on the roof to jump right in like the, the show is um um basically going to open in a week and we need someone to jump in right now and i was like oh, i lived in la i didn't have a car you didn't have a car people live in no, la without a car, a car? we got to la without a car <sighs> because when i went to law school they told us oh you can get around uh, coming from new jersey and i lived by mass transportation my whole life right and so when i came out to la they said oh you can still manage with the buses well you really can't but, but anyway i did <laughs> i did for the first three or four years. But anyway, so I lived in LA 
the Playhouse had this thing. And so she said, would you be willing to do it? And of course, I was starving to do any kind of theater at that point. So I said, yes. I said, yes, I'll do it. Not thinking how was I going to do this. And so how are you going to get down to? Yes, to Long Beach. Every so, day and then back. I know. It just so happens that a friend of mine um, that um, had a had a car, and I said to them, "Would you? I know this sounds crazy, but would you let me borrow your car?" And he said, "Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll absolutely let you borrow borrow my car." So I borrowed his car, and I went down, and I did. I stepped in and did this production of Fiddler on the Roof at the Long Beach Playhouse for like maybe was it had to be in like eighty three, eighty four. So um, and, and, and I did it. I ran that. I did that run, and I always remember because the orchestra was backstage and we had to look through this little window i always remember this. <laughs> and the piano was on a platform and one of the performances was an earthquake in the middle of the show and the piano slid off the platform during anatevka and i always always remember <laughs> i always remember that um so that was you know how many years ago 20 something years ago and um so that was i did one show and then of course oh, steven it's beat. it's more like uh almost 40 now yes i know okay. <laughs> you know what i mean Oh my God, that's right. See, so, and then I—that was it. I never. And then I moved to Long, to Long Beach area, um, and um, I kept driving past the playhouse, and I'm like, Gosh, I remember I did the show. I wonder how to get involved back in the playhouse. And then a very good friend of mine got asked to direct um, Christmas Carol, and um, he said to me, um, I want you to help me with Christmas Carol. I want you to do the do some music. I want you to be, um, I want you to play the narrator. I want you to play Charles Dickens, but I want Charles Dickens to have an accordion because I want to have a musical um, kind of, you know, stream through it. And I'm like, he goes, would you be interested in doing it? I'm like, yeah, of course, let's do it. So that was it. And so I did that show and it was like, that was it. That, that like I had found my new home um, to be because it was the most amazing experience I ever had. And so then I remember going up to Andrew, who was then um, the executive director. And I said, OK, I want to do something else. I want to you know, I'm ready to do something else. And he said, OK, well, I'll keep your name, you know, blah, blah. And then sure enough, Jesus Christ Superstar came along and um, he asked me to play the piano for Jesus Christ Superstar. And then it kind of went from there. And uh just uh it was a fluke that i ended up back up there but it was so funny that i had done that show there almost 40 well, as you say 40 years ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i i joined uh the playhouse uh like 13 15 years ago wow and i hadn't seen you around and then suddenly you were there constantly and so yeah. i was like well, <laughs> kind of like that's kind of how I like operate a little bit, I guess. I, I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't usually do things just like a, a little bit. It's like, you know, and it just, it was exactly what I was like looking for that the playoffs is exactly what I had been looking for, for all those years. And so it just was an amazing place. And I just felt like, ah, you know how you feel like you've arrived back at home. You just, I just yes. felt that was very comfortable and just, I mean, everybody was, everybody was just into the same things and people were so um, wonderful. And I mean, some of the people that I, I have only know, I've only been there, I think five years. Um, and I've met people that I feel like I've known for years and years and years. It's just pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing place. I have to say. Exactly. That's how I feel. Like I started because I met Andrew doing a different show and he said, Hey, we're doing load in, you know how to build. Can you help? 
And that was 13 years ago or something. And I was at every load in for years at six o'clock in the morning, every three weeks, and then working other jobs. And slowly I got out of that because I was like, I don't want to get up at six in the morning on Sunday. (laughs) 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 But through that, Sean has become my best friend. We play D&D, Larry and Fee, they're on D&D with us. Right. Jackie was a stage manager. She was a bridesmaid at my wedding. Like, yeah, every see, time that's I, what I'm saying, yeah. I, Donna uh, helped sew part of my wedding dress. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's everybody there. Like, you walk back in, and it's, like you said, just walking back yeah. into family, and it's, it's right. great. Yeah. No, it's, oh, it was great. Yeah, it's great. Just totally <laughs> So, yeah, so that's how it happened. It was kind of a fluke thing, and... Um, and then they let me do this. And I keep saying, if the more they let me do, the more I want to do so. And they keep letting <laughs> me do it. So it's great. <laughs> be careful. Sean will be I like, know. great, he can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. These guys, those guys, Sean, Madison, Adana, um, all those folks. Uh, now, Christine, they're all amazing what they do, really. Donna's costumes. I mean, uh, yeah, Donna was just amazing. I have yep. to say, yeah. still working right. on getting the Fritchies on the podcast. I'm going to get them yeah. one day. <laughs> oh yeah, you need to. Yeah, you definitely need to. <laughs> so do you? Because one thing that I always found interesting was a lot of musicians I know, um, like tech people, stay backstage, stay in the right. dark, wear black. You are out in costume and wig and drag and on stage and interacting with actors like. Is that just something you, because like you said, in well, high school, you wanted to like be in a show. And so now you're right. like, yes, they'll let me put on a costume. Yes. I love, well, I love doing that. Um, they, uh, it's interesting because I really like the music aspect of it. Right. So I like that part. I like, I like that, but um, so I don't want to give that up, but if I can combine, you know, and one of the things I think I've always tried to do in my life is try to combine things together, you know? So that's, I really like the idea of, well, why can't, a music person have some, you know, ability to be on stage. And, um, you know, it just so happens that a lot of these shows that we've done have lend themselves to allowing that to happen to a point. Um, and I think Sean's giving me a little bit more artistic <laughs> license <laughs> than, uh, than sometimes he may feel comfortable with. Um, it's but, good to um, push him past his comfort zone a little <laughs> yeah, bit. I exactly. do it on a regular basis. <laughs> so, um, you know, this time he gave me a line, which was a complete line without any music, which was cool in La Caja Fall. Um, <laughs> but um, I just think, you know, I think that if, if the two groups, if the two, if the music and the actors come together, everyone feels more comfortable. Um, you know, it shouldn't just be where the music is is by themselves backstage and they just do the music. I, I think that, and especially all with the folks that we've been um, kind of bringing in to form kind of a playhouse band or playhouse group, um, they seem to be more interactive with the actors, which I think makes everyone feel more comfortable. Yes, yeah, some um, of them have jumped, uh, who's it? Cabaret, another Sean show. One of the actors actually jumped back and forth and did something. Yeah, that was that was cab, both cabaret, both cabaret and yeah. then also hair. Uh, the same yeah, thing yeah. happened with hair. So I think that you know that get, that you know leads to towards I guess making it a more cohesive kind of feeling amongst the act. So basically, one of the things I think that we've been able to do at the Playhouse, and that's again credit to to Sean and everyone and Madison and everyone, is that the idea of bringing the two groups together really well. Um, and everyone feels very comfortable. Um, so I think that's been really kind of a positive thing. So for me, I think that just leads towards making the whole 
production a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun for me, but I think <laughs> I think the actors get a kick out of it as well. You know what I'm saying? To kind of see the transition back and forth. So yeah, I most know, of but, time, I, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it. So. Yeah, most of the time they sit in the pit, and you know they're right. in the pit, but you don't really have to do anything. You don't know their names or interact with exactly, them. Exactly. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So it, this makes it a little bit more of a kind of a, a family type thing. I guess it's also different. The playhouse's stages are so small and there is no pit. You are right. on stage. So it's kind of like, well, I'm already sitting here in the middle right, of exactly your set. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I have to say a lot of the designers have been very creative about finding room for the band. Um, and so that's been very good. I think over the past couple of years, um, everyone's taken that into consideration more. Um, when they're making doing their design um, in terms of giving us enough room. Um, we've had, you know, Greg and I have had, um, Greg Fritchie and I have, have had laughs about that as to, you know, how much space we're going to have. And then the yeah. design comes up and it's less than, than everybody thought. And so we've been very creative about <laughs> using the space <laughs> as to where we, um, we need to be. But, um, but that's been kind of fun. So that everyone's design in a musical now at the Playhouse, it seems the design is taking a little bit more in consideration into the the band which is kind of fun which is kind of nice so yeah i've always because i've worked in musicals and had to worry about where bands sit even in the right. pit like how much room do, how big is your percussions because it's always right. come down to the percussions they're always taking up you know All a ton room. of space yeah. exactly. so that one of the things when i designed hair i was like first of all i want to fix up the playhouse so we're going to make it look like it's abandoned because now i larry and i can like paint the walls <laughs> And also, the band has as much room as they want. Let's just I know. put them on stage and say, here, what do you need? <laughs> that was great. No, that everyone really loved that. That was like, I said, but don't get too, you know, comfortable with that. Yeah. Because, yeah, that just definitely may not continue. But that was great. <laughs> I'll tell you, that was, we had lots of room we could spread out. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's always, uh, do you really need that other six inches? And the music director is yeah. like, well, I need a music stand. And it's like, oh, but I need a light post. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. We've been very creative with that, those things. Let me tell you <laughs> where, where music stands go and where lights go. Um, very creative. So, yeah. um, and cabling and getting and yes, that in the exactly. way. And <laughs> yeah. So I have to say, everyone has been um, at the play has been really good about being creative when it comes to the band. Um, and <laughs> so that's been good. And I, I usually, Sean usually gets me a monitor every time, which is also cool. So because, you know, you can't always see where you are. And so it's always helpful to to do that. So that's always that's always good. But I, I have to say the working with the designers at the Playhouse have been just a, they're just amazing. They're all really, you know, really great to work with and very, very um uh, considerate of the other aspects of the show, not just the stage and the and the actors. So that's always been a, a really good thing. Yeah, that's it's great to work yeah. together. Another yeah, reason yeah. the Playhouse is great. Like nobody's right. like, well, I need to get everything. It's like, dude, it's this is a group project. Everybody exactly, gets to right. play something. Right. That's yeah. That's I have to say. In in that's the amazing thing. There, there's there's nothing like. There's never been anything like that where this is what I need and it's all about me and no one else. It's really such a collaborative. A group of folks um, that come together to do this um, because I think everyone is dedicated to the to theater that does it right because mm -hmm. if you're going to do this you know it's you're not in it to make hundreds of billions of dollars right you're doing it because you have a love <laughs> of what you do and so if you really love what you do then it becomes a really a collaborative type thing and that's what makes it I think so special I agree yeah, yeah. 
that's why we're willing to put in extra time and get up at six right, in the morning. Exactly. Not that I've got up at six in the morning. Yeah, yeah, Sean, I know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but to get up early on a Sunday and go strike yeah. one set and load in another set and sit through rehearsals and yeah, yeah Q to Q and all that. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot, but but you know it's worth it in the end. So. <laughs> Absolutely. You started then. Uh, Back, uh, backstage, on stage, music. How did you then jump into volunteer coordinator? Because you ah. were doing that at the Amundsen, but you weren't doing that for a while when you started at the Playhouse. Right. So um, uh, when I started um, uh, down there, um, I met, um, of course, you know, you meet a, a lot of folks. And at that time, um, I think, um, uh, I think Hallie was, Hallie was uh, house manager when I first started. And then I think at one point she turned it over to Anna Kate. Mm -hmm. um, so Anna Kate was the house manager. And so when I was working um, on um, Bat Boy, which was one of the, se the second show I did, which which we use the accordion for, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> um, my husband um, was wanting to come and see the show. So he and um, I, Anna Kate said, well, I'm looking for volunteers all the time. I'm constantly looking for volunteers. So he would volunteer a lot. And so then I got to know Anna Kate and Andy really well. And then at one point, Anna Kate um, uh, said that she didn't have the time available to continue to do what she was doing. Because I guess at that point, the house manager did both take took care of the volunteers and did did the house management. And she said, mm -hmm. I really can't handle all of that. And so I guess she proposed to Andrew um, splitting up the job um, and creating a kind of a house manager position and then creating a um, volunteer coordinator position. And she said to me, well, my God, you do this at the music center. Would you be willing to do it for here? Um, and I said, yeah, that would be great. That, that would be weird. I don't think I could afford to be house, like do house manager every night, but I could certainly work behind the scenes and do the volunteers. So um, we met and I guess that's when she was transitioning out of even the house manager and they decided to split it up between Alex um, to kind of take care of the front of the house issues. And then I would take care of the volunteers. And so they proposed that to me and I, I said, yeah, we'd be happy to do it. So I started to do it. Um, and then I started to meet all the lovely volunteers that we have. And um, that was a trip. I have to tell you because um, they were um, all different. Um, <laughs> and, um, and like Anna Kata told me, she said, you know, that's always a hard thing because they don't like change. You know, they've been doing this for so long and they yes. and they really don't like change. Um, <laughs> and you're going to pre present a change thing. So um, I, I, I met with everybody. I said, well, can we have a meeting? And so I brought everybody in and um, I kind of introduced myself. And, you know, there was a, a lot of... Um, not resistance, but, you know, they're like, okay, another change. How can we're having all these changes? This is the way we make the coffee and this is what we need. Oh, and this the is coffee how we is do very, it. very important. Oh there. my God. Ray We've Smith has. I've had so many laughs over the coffee because at one, <laughs> so, so now that I've gotten to know all the women, you know, very well and they're all lovely and I, I love them all. And, um, you know, I just actually, um, we started to do some um, zoom meetings with a couple of them just to keep them involved. Cause you know, they're kind of like, we feel lost without the playhouse. We've been doing this for all these years. So um, we do a meeting every year. And um, the last meeting we had, which was, I guess, in 2019, we used to do it right before the new season. We spent about 30 minutes arguing over how many scoops of coffee we could have. <laughs> so, so that yeah. it was the same. So that, every, so that everyone got the same kind of coffee. And I enjoy working with them. And they're great. <laughs> um, and, and um, you know, I've had a lot of um, 
being in the shows and being involved, I was able to, I've got a lot of volunteers from folks that I've done shows with that have, that'll come back um, to do that. And so, you know, cause it's, especially on the bartending side, you know, there's, you know, everyone is doing a million things. And so you need a big group of folks to do it. So um, yeah, so it's been great. So it's, it's been a lot of fun, but the, 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 I, I always give credit to those, the volunteer team captains on the main stage they're 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 hardcore and they are what runs that operation i mean i give them all the credence because they have their teams and they have their their folks and they have their own way of doing it and you know i've been able to centralize it to a point but i have to give them their space and so it's uh it's fun it's it's a lot of fun and i and i enjoy it. so that's how it happened um anna kate kind of asked me to do it and they kind of divided it up and so so now alex and i basically take care of it so yeah, there's Which some people I've been seeing there since I started. Yeah. I mean, there's people that, you know, like Nona, for instance. I mean, Nona's a fixture at the Playhouse, and mm -hmm. she's been there forever. And um, all the volunteers, basically, all the team captains, I mean, um, they are all been there for such a long time. And that's their, you know, that's it. They need their schedule as long as I get them the schedule at the beginning of the year because, you know, they need that piece of paper, even though it's, yep. you know, you can go online and you can see what day, nope. day your show is. It had but to no, be printed out. It has to be written out special for them. Uh, <laughs> as long as we get that, um, everyone's happy. So, uh, yeah. Most of the, because I work backstage, uh, we refer to them as the old men, the Ray Smith and Roscoe. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, right. And exactly. all of those guys in a number of times, you know, sometimes I'd get there and Ray was busy and I'd make coffee and he drinks his coffee way blacker than I drink my <laughs> yeah. coffee. And he's like, I threw out your coffee and made a new one. And I'm like, oh, Ray, just, it's like your fifth cup at six in the morning. You're fine. <laughs> Just drink the but coffee. The, <laughs> but the, the, the big news was, you know, the coffee machine broke a couple years ago. You know, and that was the one that everyone was used to, right? Because you pour the water in. And then we got a new, fancier version that hooked up the hot water directly to the yes! coffee machine. Yes. And oh it kept overfilling. <laughs> consternation. <laughs> for months that caused consternation in terms of it had to be turned on ahead of time. Because, you know, so we had we had good laughs with all of that. But Yep. Um, there was a you know. sign hanging on it for years being like, do not add water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was kind of fun. We had our, you know, the coffee is the big thing, I think. <laughs> for theater, yes. <laughs> Everybody runs on coffee. It needs to <laughs> <Right>. be there. <laughs> so that's, so that, that's been a fun. So, so the volunteers have been, they're great, but they're an amazing group of, of, of folks that are dedicated to the playhouse in their own way. And again, who knows who they really are, right? Who knows the story of the volunteers? I mean, that's a whole story in and of itself, um, how long some of these people have been involved in the Playhouse and, and how they've dedicated their time and effort to it and are proud of the night that they do their usher, ushering and look forward mm -hmm. to it. So it's the pretty people amazing. Who always say. do opening night and the people yes. who always do closing night and the yes, people who exactly. always, yeah. They're yeah, very, the first very Sundays, set. you know, yeah, they're totally committed and they're totally committed to it. You know, it's not even they take it very seriously. And like I said, I get emails from them all the time. I hope it comes back soon. I hope you guys are good. hope you won't forget. That's that's it. I hope you won't forget us. You know, I hope we're not going to be. I'm like, no, no. The minute, <laughs> the minute we can, you know, you're all we got you. You're in You're back. We'll have we're going to be begging you to come back. Please. Yeah, come exactly. Back. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so that's been that's been great. So amazing. Oh, love the playhouse. Okay, yeah. before uh, we run out of time, because like I said, we're really good at doing that. Yeah, right. You're working uh, with the 
U.S. Small Business Administration on a program that's helping all theaters around, right? right. Save our stages. Right. Can you tell us more about that? Because we definitely need to save theaters of all kinds. Oh, my what, goodness. What yeah. is this program? It's, it's such an amazing thing. So um, it's it started out, I guess it was proposed by, uh, I think, Schumer and um, Amy Klobuchar were two of the folks that started to propose it, I guess. And it, and it was it was called Save Our Stages. And the idea was that it was going to help live venues um, provide money. Right. Um, and so that went back and forth. And um, the, the the new bill that was passed um, by by the, by the Congress at the end of the year is called the Economic Aid Act. Um, and in it, it is it has a program called it's actually in the in the in the legislation, it's called Shuttered Venues and it's a grant program. And basically it's being run through the Small Business Administration um, and it allows live venue operators, um, talent, talent um, agents, um, museums, any kind of live venue productions to apply for um, a grant uh, from the Small Business Administration. And again, a grant would be not having to repay it back um, money to help um, them pay expenses, uh, pay payroll costs. Um, pay um, uh, things that they need to reopen theaters, things like that. So it's a it's pretty amazing program. Um, of course, there's lots of specifics in it. Um, the agency's been working really hard to get the message out um, in terms of what's what the requirements are, who can apply, how you can apply, um, things like that. But pretty pretty much so it's it's um and and they've also carved out it's it's 15 um it's 15 billion dollars in grants they've carved out at least 2 billion to small venues meaning venues that employ 50 people or less which is a really good thing because it obviously gives the opportunity for smaller theaters say um to be guaranteed almost guaranteed that there'd be some uh, available funds for that program um but it's something that um if you know if anybody that's listening wants more information on um they can easily contact me or they can look online but um it's a program that's designed really to try to keep the theaters that are barely hanging on hanging on and allowing them to to reopen again so um you know, we're, we're hoping that it's going to roll out very soon. I, I think they're trying to do it sometime mid early, mid February. Ooh, that's really fast. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fast considering fast. we've been in a pandemic for a year now, but right. for, for a new program to roll out with a $15 billion grant system is pretty good. Yeah. It, so what is originally it was save our stages. You said now shuttered right. venues. What do people, if they want to look online, what do they look up? So they should probably look up shuttered venues. Um, okay. They can go if they go to the SBA website, which is, um, you know, www.sba.gov. Um, you can probably type in um, shuttered venues. Um, and that's what it's 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 called in the legislation. And there are frequently asked questions on there already. Um, there's a, a number of questions that answer a lot of questions about who can apply, who's eligible, how do you become eligible? What do you need to do? Um, and and again, there's priority the, the, there's a priority system. If 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 you're if you've if if your operation has lost um, um, 90 percent or more revenue between 2019 and 2020, you're in the first priority group. And if you've lost 70 percent of your revenue from 2019 to 2020, you're in the second priority group. And then it's opened up to everyone. So again, it's trying to 
um, do two things, help the smallest groups of folks with 50 or less employees and the folks that have been, um, you know, harmed the most, I guess. Um, and so it, it provides that assistance as well. So I, I would say they should look on the website, um, on the SBA website. That's probably the most up-to-date information. I know we've just posted some frequently asked questions and it goes through a lot of the thing. How do you count revenue? How do you count employees? How do I become eligible? Things like that. Because I know that's always a big thing. Most small businesses and theaters don't have another like accounting department or something that does all of that. So then right. I, I know at the Playhouse Medicine does it and she was trained exactly. in theater. So she's trying to learn like, how do I fill out a grant? How do I make a right. grant? How do I calculate right. these things? So that's yeah. great that there's frequent asked questions and people to talk to and probably so and many questions. And there's also a webinar on, on YouTube about it as well. So I think if you go to YouTube, they, SBA did a live webinar that answered a lot of questions as well. And I think that's available. So they can you can search on that as well. And, and I know Madison's been on a number of those. And um, as I think some other folks have too, in the, in the, at least in the Long Beach community. So hopefully um, it'll be a little bit of a lifeline for um, a lot of the community theaters around that, uh, that surely need it at this point. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really, I'm really happy that it happened. Um, um, and again, you know, anything that goes to a government agency, you know, tends to be, you know, not the, always the easiest thing to do, but, but I've been, you know, my little voice, I keep throwing, I keep, I keep thinking about all the small theaters when we have discussions, um, because I think people forget about, you know, the very small community theaters, everyone's thinking about, well, Broadway. And, I, and and one of those discussions we had was I said, you know, a lot of these small theaters, it, it's so important that this set aside somehow this $2 billion for small theaters be, be preserved because you, the larger arts organizations have staff that are ready to go the minute the button gets pushed. Right. I mean, you know, I'm sure any, any of the Broadway theaters, they're ready to go. They got staff, you know, they press the button and it goes. So um, the idea that there's a set aside and there's money reserved for these smaller theaters at least gives, uh, you know, everyone an opportunity to kind of be on the same playing field. So so I'm, I'm hoping it's being done right. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, but it's great that because you are already connected to the theaters, how many other lawyers I know. and people That's... in the group actually work at the small theaters or the medium-sized right. theaters or any theater at all to pay attention exactly. to that? Right, which is really a good opportunity for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I like, I wanted to do it because I, I wanted to make sure that that voice gets heard. That's, that was my, you know, and again, not everyone understands how the arts and theater work. And a lot of people that work on these programs, you know, that's not what their forte is. Right. So um, at least I'm there being able to throw in a little bit of information that you got to look at this. Like one of the qualifications is um, employ uh, paid employees, right. You have to pay your staff. And I'm like, you have to pay the actors or I, I don't know if it said actors, but it said pay the staff. And I said, you have to remember there's different types of payment in the community theater world, right? I mean, mm -hmm. community theater world, you get paid, you may not get paid a dollar amount. You may get paid a, a stipend or you may get paid a gas allowance, or you may get paid through um, comp tickets or, uh, you know, other things, but there is a payment. So, you know, I said, we need to broadly defined payment so it's not a monetary payment because you know a lot of these community theaters don't don't use that so you have to think about how everyone does that so um you know that's what i've been throwing into the mix all those kinds of things that are anomalies to the smaller community theaters so yeah that's what i've been trying to do so i i, I think 
I think at the end, it's it, it, it'll it should be a, a good program, and I hope it I hope it really helps. That's that's my that's my hope at the end of the day. So yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah, because what other outside of the arts in general, who else makes money or who else uh, spends so many hours to get ten free comp tickets to a show? Exactly. Which you can't That's even I mean. use because you're in the show. It's only exactly. the arts that are so dedicated to that that they're willing to put in all the time and energy just to let their friends come free to watch a show. Right. But that's compensation, right? When you when yeah. you look at it, you're being compensated for that, right? That's how you, that's how you're getting compensation. But you're right. It's 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 an industry that is unlike any other. And that's what makes it I think so hard to structure a program, especially in an agency, you know, that deals with f- more financial operations, right? So when you do something that's outside of the box, like this is, you really need people to start to think outside the box more. And so I have to say the folks that are working on it are really good about thinking outside the box. Everyone is really, 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 really focused on how this is going to help not hinder someone's ability to apply. So I think that's really good. That is excellent. Definitely doing a post on that because yeah, everybody's connected through theater that's I what I mean. For a yeah. dozen different theaters, it's great to be able to post that out to people who may not know and may not, you know, even know it exists, even look into it to see if they can apply for it. So exactly right, right, yeah. Excellent. So what What are you uh, What are you doing right now? You're working on that, but how are, are you? I see at the Playhouse, you're still posting videos of you like playing the accordion, right. and <laughs> earlier you met with some groups. So are you you staying in with the arts and uh, trying to keep a little, you know, not get your fingers yeah. rusty during this pandemic? I'm trying anything I can. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, I started posting a couple of videos, like I was trying to do a series of overtures. Um, so I'm still trying to do that, like a different, maybe every month post an overture to a show. Um, Sean did ask me um, uh, to, to work on, a, uh, you know, the the scene, you know, the director's scene festival. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to put together something on George M. Cohan, um, kind of a musical scene thing. So I'm kind of working, I'm trying to put that together. Um, I fell a little <laughs> bit behind with other things I was doing. Um, I did, I, I worked on uh, something with Robin, a scene that we did early back in, I think, October. Um, and so, yeah, and then I think maybe the playoffs is going to do later in the year, um, you know, that friend, uh, uh, Friends Cabaret. So we'll try to put some yep. things together for that. Excellent. Um, so, yeah. And anything we can do, anything I can do to try to 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 do. I I work with Rick a little bit um, on some stuff that he was doing, some music stuff that he was doing. So I'm trying to put my hands wherever I can until we can get back to live performing. So, what's the update on the Almond Center? I'm assuming since you're high, you yeah. get emails. Are they everybody still in hold right now? Yeah, I think everyone's crossing their fingers for fall. I think everyone's really hoping that the like all the seasons have been canceled through through this year um through the you know like our our seasons mostly go from september october to june so that all has been canceled completely canceled um i think right now the amundsen right right now is tentatively coming back would come from away um back in, in july i think that's where they were i guess kind of in geared with where Broadway was hoping to be, whether or not that happens, I don't know. Um, but the Phil Harmonic, the LA Opera, most of those of folks are hoping to have a fall season of some sort. I think that's kind of where everything is um, right now. I think also um, 
they're hoping maybe in the spring to do some things on the plaza, you know, some public events on the plaza that outside allow where it's outside kind of things. I think everyone's hoping that may, may go um, depending upon where the numbers lie. But I think everyone's crossing their fingers for something in the fall. So I, I don't know. Okay. We got to hold yeah. out a couple I more know. months. <laughs> no, it's terrible. It's just really terrible. And I guess, I guess it's all attuned to what Broadway does to a point, yeah. right? I mean, I think Broadway's right now in, aren't, isn't Broadway like in July or something, they think. Yeah. Like, the last I heard was like mid summertime because yeah. that's what they're hoping. But the opera world is saying probably not till after that, but opera is not on Broadway. So yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, depending on what group you listen to and Hopefully with the vaccines rolling out and a new administration, hopefully we can get this yes. under control. Let's hope so. Yeah, let's definitely <laughs> hope so. Yeah, the, the LA Opera normally comes back about mid-September. So um, I think everyone's hoping for that or in some form or at some point at that point. So <laughs> yeah. we just at this point, we just want something. Please. Yes, just, yeah, just, you know, and it was so funny because when the Amundsen and the Amundsen came out with that uh, announcement for July back in I think it was October, but there was something about the fact that it was out there, right? I mean, it was like before there was like nothing, right? But yeah. the, fact that they, the fact that they said, well, here's where we think July is going to be the start date. And it was like, okay, all right, I can, I can make it to July. You know I mean? I can, I think I can get to July, you know? So it gives you something at least to look forward to and hope, hope, right? hope for, a, I guess. It's a light at the end of the tunnel, not, okay, we're, uh, we're not doing anything. And we're not yeah, sure how right. long we're not going to do anything. Exactly. And we're not right. sure when yeah. that anything's going to do stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you need the stuff. You need something. You just need a little something. So I'm hoping that's where that goes, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Fingers crossed. We'll all be very yeah, excited. <laughs> yes. Very, I think it will be an amazing. Yeah. It will. The 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 euphoria when any when things start to open is probably going to be off the charts. I would think. I mean, I just would think it would be. Yeah, open yeah. and open safely and not open yes. for three weeks and then close back and down because again. outbreaks yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That yeah, that would be a, that would be bad. So, <laughs> well, excellent. We we're about at an hour, so thank you so much. Oh no, thank you for having me. Now, now I want to go. Uh, I'm going to go bother Sean again. Be like, can can we can I come back in and do something? Yeah, There's so right. much stuff I need to fix around the playhouse. I can just maybe yes, paint a wall or something. Well, That'd be great. That would be, yeah. I mean, that would be great to 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 do stuff like that. So yeah, I, I'm all I'm all about. I think there was a they a couple of folks met yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. yeah, in the parking lot. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, next Saturday I'm gonna go because <laughs> it, looks, it looks so cool. I mean, it looks so, uh, it looks so good. It just looks so. Even if you're have to sit in your car and just but it was just the yeah. presence being you know it's just something about that i don't know they were all yeah. like three car spaces away from each I know, other yeah, exactly. and <laughs> the dog was running i forget whose dog was there was like running back and forth between people but it's like yes we're in the playhouse parking lot it's the closest we've been forever <laughs> yes exactly. we're like almost there i can feel it i can feel it. <laughs> excellent yep it should be a weekly thing Whoever yes, was in charge of setting that up, we want a weekly thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I totally agree. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, excellent, Stephen. Thank you so much. Okay. And once oh, it gets so open again, I'll definitely be there for more load-ins and opening nights. And Oh, yeah. We'll definitely look forward <laughs> to it. And come back and down, come down and see something at the Amundsen, hopefully, when that gets going. So. Yes, because come from yeah. away. You got us tickets for that. I yeah. didn't know what to expect, and that one blew me away. So I'm excited Did to it? see that that one might come back. 
Yeah, I think that was one of the ones that's supposed to come back. But it was supposed to be a great season. It's such a, it's a shame. All the stuff we were supposed to get Dear Evan Hansen again and um, Come From Away. And there was a Les Miserables production. And oh, loveliness. Hades, that would have been Hades great. Town. I know, me too. And Hades Town was supposed to come. and That one got a lot of good reviews. That I one know. would have been fun to see. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I don't know. But uh, <sighs> anything, anything at this juncture would be fabulous. So Yes. And be back yeah. in the theater with people around and the yes. energy and all of that. Yeah, huh? all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Perfect. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks again, Stephen. And okay, hopefully you're very I'll welcome. See you soon. Okay, be good. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Be safe. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at twinstalktheater. Title music, Dance Macop, is provided by Kevin McLeod of incomtech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.